Hi, everybody. This is uh, slightly different from what we normally do here, but I really felt like we could not start a show with anything other than talking about the demise of Deadspin. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I don't know about you, D, but <laughs> Deadspin is like probably 80% of my influence in like in the concept of this show in the first place. I didn't know anything about Deadspin until like you, I saw you like showing me articles and you giggling at, at articles <laughs> and stuff. And I was just like, man, what is this site, man? That's right. Cool. <laughs> and a brief, brief shout out. The other 20% of my inspiration, probably more than that. I would say it's 80% and 80%. Um, I, I was more is, of a bleacher report guy, but is, it was a nice change of pace. My other massive inspiration, just to briefly aside, is the wonderfully hilarious and sadly now uh, no longer existent uh, Cespedes Family Barbacast, which uh, is run by uh, two guys that actually, from that podcast, freaking got jobs at uh, at MLB. Uh, oh. And they actually are work with like the MLB social media team now. So a happy ending, even though their amazing podcast is no longer, but... Well, but it at least led them to like some, some, uh, to an upward trajectory. So that's a good thing. But like very much the style of like random weird humor and sports references is like, that's straight from that show. Mm. Uh, and from Deadspin, which is what we're actually talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I got really, really upset when that news broke because it was a website that I read every day for like six years. And it sort of, at a time when I'd gotten very frustrated and disillusioned with sports fandom in general, it was sort of like just a breath of fresh air and sort of mainstream sports media such as it is. Like, you know, the sort of like Peter King leak. Like, Peter King is so much less a journalist and more like paid content advertiser for the NFL. Like, you know what I mean? He doesn't uh-huh. really criticize them. I'm singling him out, but you know, when you look at like how, you know, sports is covered by large companies like ESPN who profits off of the sports existing and therefore has incentive to make them look good, you know, I still think that guy from the watches, the basketball guy who got the watches and stuff. I think he was like, but something with the advertisement on on his Twitter or something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> SpawnCon. Um, but it just gets frustrating at times because you feel like you know things are not being covered fairly or maybe as they should, and you know, it's like I mean, it's in a box. Yeah, it's like it's and micromanaged. Because honestly, like, you know, as much as I enjoyed their, like, humorous posts and, like, you know, their uh, their uh, various roundups of, like, poop stories at the end of the year and stuff like that. And honestly, it was, like, the writings of, like, Diana Moskovitz, who did a lot of the reporting on, like, Larry Nasser and, um, mm. and uh, like, the Greg Hardy case and a bunch of other ones, like... Ooh. Kind of, kind of depressingly, her special or specialty was kind of doing these deep dives on a lot of these really fucked up cases. So mm. good on her for like being able to mentally handle that because I don't, I don't think I could. Yeah. Dude. Um. But you know, like things like that that were not, I, I honestly think really weren't being reported on, and it's much more commonplace now. Mm. And 
like, I don't know. I feel like that site, and not not just Deadspin, but that sort of new wave of sports blogging really popularized turning a critical eye to what we're seeing and not always, you know, taking it at face value. Mm -hmm. Um, And they, you know, they did a great job covering Aaron Hernandez back in the day and covering Mm -hmm. Ray Rice and Colin Kaepernick and a lot of these kind of big stories that really become bigger than sports when they break, you know, Mm -hmm. that is more than about more than what's just going on in the field because what happens, you know, what happens when those things go on? You know, you tune into Sunday Night Football and Al Michaels will either not mention it at all or he'll like very briefly bring up something in the, you know, sort of pregame talk around and then be like, and we're back to football. And then, yeah. just, you know, it's just gone. I mean, that's that's kind of like the entertainment business, though. Right. People don't want to tune in for, for topics that make them uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> and it's that old thing where entertainment and journalism are not the same thing and shouldn't be treated as such. Um, I mean, they, they can be though. And I think that's what like Deadspin was. Right. That's, that's and what, that's what I feel like to me. It's like they, they, uh, it's like they took things seriously, but also they, they also had like a sense of humor too. And they felt like they had, they didn't have like these, like these hard boundary lines they had to yeah. stay within, you know? And, I mean, you can go read about it, and I'll put links to the articles in the show notes. But just a brief summary of what happened is they – so years ago now, uh, Gawker, which was the the company that owned – or Gawker Media Group, I guess, which owned Gawker and Deadspin and IO9 and uh, freaking Kotaku and Jezebel and all these other great – Blogs kind of all under that umbrella. And then Hogan um, killed it, right? Yeah, yeah. Paul, <laughs> Paul Hogan. Wow. Paul Hogan? Not Paul Hogan. Hulk Hogan's lawsuit, funded by billionaire Peter Thiel, which is, sets a whole other disturbing precedent for rich people silencing the media, um, mm. bankrupted them. And so they were sold off and they were, they were owned by like Univision for a little while and they were owned. And then this fuck Spanfeller bought it and his background is he used to run Forbes. Um, okay. which I mean, you know, Forbes is, Forbes is Forbes is a website, I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah. but when he took over, he immediately closed Splinter, which was the politics blog. So that should tell you something. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the stick to sports thing, that was the thing they joked about for years because typically that's when, so like, uh, when Colin Kaepernick first did the protests, that was the common refrain of like conservative commentators of him was stick to sports, shut up and dribble or whatever. <laughs> you you know? I thought um, I was thinking that you brought that up. Yeah. Well, you're, you're you're just a professional athlete. What could you know? What to uh, he's our, what, what makes you qualified to talk about politics? He's our modern day Michael Jordan. But obviously, <laughs> but obviously, you know, if an athlete like say Kurt Schilling speaks out about politics in a conservative light, they're all like, "Yeah, this guy knows what he's talking about." Um. Anyway, uh, <laughs> double standards. But yep. So this guy bought the site and pretty much repeatedly clashed with the staff and did a lot of things that most likely are against their union contract because they, the writers of the site, had a union and they had things explicitly defined in the union contract. Management ownership cannot dictate the editorial direction of the site and they cannot. 
They cannot take posts down after they've been posted. Um, oh, they had the union. Oh, nice. Both of those things happened while Span Feller on the site. So go figure. Um, and, and again, go, go read the articles if you want the particulars of it. But basically, this all came to a head when they, uh, like the, the site's editor in chief left earlier this year, basically because of this. She was just like, I can't in good conscience do this anymore. If, if this is what they're forcing us to do, so I'm gone. And it takes guts to quit in an industry where there's not a lot of jobs. And I'm sure she'll be able to find a new one though, especially she's yeah. the editor in chief. No, they're, they're all, I mean, they had a lot of talented writers and they're all going to fall in at other sites, but yeah. And then they fired her replacement. Um, Megan Greenwell is her name, the original uh, editor-in-chief. They fired her replacement, uh, and that was the point at which the entire staff, as a show of solidarity, quit. And they all resigned the same day and did it as a group and said, all right, fuck it. Uh, If you're not going to let us do it, our way, we're we're out. But they're they're under contract, too, so they should be able to do it, right? And you say, like, they had a union, they, it was in their contract to not mess with that stuff? Yeah. Doesn't matter, really. I mean, because what happens? You have to, you have to take that to court. And what, you know, what's going to happen? That's going to take years. And, um, the, and the money normally wins. Right. The person with the most money. And can you fund a lawsuit when you don't have a job? You can't. Right. That's what happens. That's why Peter Thiel can shut down a media organization, but I can't. But, he, but the thing about it is, I think too is like he. Uh, this is the sad thing is, I guess eventually he'll get like get like replacement writers and stuff. But then and then the quality can break down, and then then you know. So yeah, that's where it gets interesting. Because the, <laughs> the basically the only guy left and who's from the parent company was like for a week, like writing posts himself. Apparently. Some of the writers on Twitter were saying that he was pulling old freelancer posts they had archived out of Mothball and, like, posting those as new content. Ooh. And just... Because literally it was, like, one guy trying to run the site by himself. You can't do that. And then he quit. Of course. Because uh, he got too much work. To what he claimed was pursue an entrepreneurial uh, opportunity. So Yeah, if he's, if he's um, like, doing stuff himself, he might as well just, like, work for himself. Right. <laughs> so... As of right now, if you go to deadspin.com, there has not been anything posted since the 4th of November, and it is now November 7th when we're recording this. So, in all likelihood, the site's dead. And what will likely happen is either it will... He'll either skeleton staff it, but, like, none of the site's former readers are going to read it because we're not strike breakers and scabs. So, so, so what you're saying... We're not going to cross the fucking picket line. So what you're saying is like this site is going to die. It's de- no, it's already it's, dead. Like it's dead. It's not coming back. No, like, no. It's like I, you I, don't think like people will come for it and like will work for them just because they have the Deadspin name, or is that name just so terribly tarnished to the point of like you know like uh, uh, beyond repair? Well, that's the story. He also brought in that freelancer Alan Goldsher, who absolutely got annihilated on Twitter to the point where. Like a few hours later, he resigned. 
uh, from the site because I think it said like an hour or they, less than an yeah, hour, yeah. like forty minutes. Someone went. In addition to all that, someone went. Someone went, and that was why I used that phrasing a minute ago. Someone went and edited his Wikipedia page to say Alan Goldshire is a strike breaker and a scab, <laughs> which is just brutal. So did he like um, originally work for Deadspin? Or no, he, no, or he, he was get, he was a free, he was a freelancer that was basically brought into scab for the writers that that quit. Oh. So, so yeah. be like a temp. Yeah. Oh. Obviously, it'd be great if, like, all of those writers just went and, like, founded their own site. I doubt that's going to happen, but it's um, just, it's sad. Hook up with Warren, like, Warren Buffett or something. Wait, no, no. Who's, no, who's the, <laughs> who's the guy, uh, like, uh, something Buffett? What's his name? Warren Buffett? Yeah, that's Warren Buffett. Yeah. Uh, that guy. I had it right the first time. I don't, get, I don't know him. that Warren Buffett cares about getting into the sports media business. <laughs> Obviously, I mean, mean, he was friends with LeBron James, so who knows? Obviously, (laughs) what will happen is the athletic will open, you know, a site called like Living Straight Line or something, and they'll hire all the Deadspin staff because they have so much money. They have so much investment capital, they can just swallow all light and hope in the universe. Is it going to be like, uh, is it going to be like, uh, uh, Khan from, uh, from the Jacksonville Jaguars, like funding AEW? Oh my God. And given, and, uh, and given WWE competition. <laughs> no, dude, um, <laughs> Deadspin is, is, was awesome. Yeah. It was yeah. more your site that you went, your go-to site. And like my, my girlfriend also loved going to that site. I would go there from time to time. I mean, I'm a bleach report guy. But all the funny, like the funny titles, and they go in and read, read and stuff, like why your team sucks, and right, hey, yeah. this person is just not a good quarterback, or or hey, this happened here. I mean, I would have loved to see what they would have written about the about the black cat running on uh, in right. the end zone of Monday Night Football, but yeah. we do it, but we don't have that because Some people of- were clever and and intellectual with their writing styles, yeah. And some of the other things, I mean, they just had some really talented people working there. One of the other random things, that that video that went viral of all of the different uh, local news stations all reading a friggin' prepared statement from the goddamn Trump administration about fake news, mm. uh, where they literally all read the same wording in the same cadence, and they just, they just like, tiled it all on one video. I'll put that in the show notes too, if it's still out there, but that, that was a Deadspin video editor that made that. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's just sad. It's, I don't know. I, that day I was upset enough that I was just like, you know what? If I can't have Deadspin, then I'm just like done being a sports fan. Uh, that's, that's how upset I got. Dang. Um, and I just hate well, rich people and I hope everything that they've built burns. Well, the thing about sports, though, people would go from one, like, especially the talented, talented people. Like, I guess I hate it, like, I hate it for, like, you know, people who were just getting started there. So imagine, like, newer faces there who didn't have, like, uh, like, I guess, what, what, what's the thing I'm thinking of? Like, uh, ec- like, have built up, like, equity or, um, or a good base there, you know, have seniority, like, a seniority. Resume. Yeah. Built a resume, a strong resume there. Like, I worry about those people, but, like, if you're talented, you're gonna go to here, go to like another place. I mean, think about like you know when uh, uh, like this is not really a, the most uh, uh, greatest comparison uh, because like you know ESPN is really big, but imagine when like they're making their layoffs and then like one of the people they let go or they or cut or didn't or uh, 
I guess, was trying to lowball like Mike Tirico, yeah. who was really good on my night football. He he said, okay. And then he just hopped right on NBC. Yep. And he's and he's been doing his thing ever since. And then like and it took them like and they they're respectable now with their Monday night football, but mad like with their commentating staff, but a mad but but uh their commentating staff is not what it used to be since he left. So yeah. think about that. Yeah. So if you got the talent, you're gonna be picked up by somewhere else. Because yeah, you got the name stuff, like you got the, the you got the name and then you got your, your skill set. Yeah. And I'll simply say this. I know none of you come here to hear me rant about politics, but I think that this situation proves that workers have a lot more power than they think. Do with that information what you will. Oh, yeah. Join a fucking union. R.I.P. does spin. Yep. R.I.P. You were one of the good ones. Fuck rich people. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all around the world, we introduce you to another ripping edition of the Dan vs. D Sports and Stuff Podcast with the initials DVD, as in DVD player, on your player, D with two E's, and always by my side is... Dan with an A. And Dan, the man he can. And he's like wearing like, uh, like... Like, uh, workers go, uh, workers like, you know, safety glasses or something. I'm wearing safety goggles because it might get sharp in here. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I'm going to start a new website called Dan Spin. Yo, I like uh, it. And it's going to be me spinning. We are, as always, kicking it in the, the DVD dome in my office here in oh, my I apartment. Like the, I like that, um, the DVD dome. Yeah. Yeah. My bad, by the way, about those episodes that, didn't get posted until months after they were recorded. Sorry, depression really sucks. I'll try to do better next time. Adulthood um, sucks, man. We and adulthood 30 sucks. Thirty-year-old, you were like guys, like literally, like thirty, <laughs> respectively, uh, just working, yeah, doing this and that, working, doing but, this and that, and working this and that. <laughs> but I, I, put, I don't want to say what they are, but I put some new tools in place that I think will help. A healthy editing process in the future. Word. Um, but anyway, the so hey, the Nationals won the World Series. Woo! First in um, franchise history. That's a big Man. one. Not to mention, like this is like the first. This is like the first uh, first Washington Washington team that I have seen in recent memory to not suck. Yeah. Oh, I mean <laughs> the Capitals. The Capitals won the. Oh yeah, the that's Cup. right. The Capitals. That yeah, that was a long time coming too. So like we just seen like two like like playoffs slash finals droughts like and now if now if if their NBA and their NFL counterparts could just get their shit together, maybe maybe they could do something. But Washington, that's, that's not gonna happen. Maybe we'll get there eventually in this episode. But Washington's football team is the worst run organization in sports, so that is not going to happen. Yeah, but anyway, Nationals. Nationals. We should focus on the Nationals because Nationals. they're amazing. And what was crazy about that series was Astros had it. Well, the road team winning every game. 
They, yo, they, they did exactly what Toronto did to the Warriors. Oh, yeah, right. Toronto closed it out in Oracle, didn't they? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of weird. It's always weird. It's always weird when the road team clinches the championship because it's like, I mean, yeah, I the remember, celebration's kind of muted. I remember when the, and then everybody's like, you know, pissed off at you. Because right. I remember when like Michael Jordan, like, like for his final championship with the, um, with, with the Bulls, you know, the infamous, you know, like, you know, uh, uh, infamous like forceful check the shove yeah the shove on yeah. uh, Brian Russell <laughs> that was an epic moment but yeah he yeah. kind of cheated on that one but they celebrated on the Jazz's home floor it's oh, just yeah. like it's a little weird I mean I w- if I was a fan like that I mean I guess I would just I would stick even though I was like my team like didn't win I would still stick around because like I'm witnessing literally history I mean, who and yeah, who wouldn't? I would. Like that was regarded as like supposed to be like Michael Jordan's like riding the sunset. Then he, you know, he became like a a president or something of the Wizards. Then he got that bug and played, you know, like another season for some reason. Yeah. But like that's witnessing history there. Like yeah. And and uh, I think you you told me like this was their this was probably likely their one their one shot. And it they was. didn't win it, then they were probably not going to get here ever again. Cause, <laughs> so when you think back, so they, because remember, uh, they drafted, it's hard to, hard to believe, but they drafted Strasburg and Harper number one back to back, I believe in 09 and 10, something like that. Right, so, um, so I mean, in, in a sense, this is literally 10 years in the making for one. Strasburg. And remember, Strasburg came up and then pitched really well and had Tommy John. That's right. He did have Tommy and, John. Like, it seemed like every pitcher like, eventually gets Tommy John. And he came back the next season in 2012, and that's when they shut him down before the end of the season because he was on an inning count. I thought yeah, um, I thought it just meant they were going to shut him down for like the regular season. But I was like, why are they making such a big uh, big deal? They're going, he's just going to be in the playoffs. Oh, Oh, he's right. not even pitching in the playoffs. And you know, and I, I mean, think that might have costed them in, in their uh, in their uh, that run right there. The narrative that them shutting Steven Strasburg down definitely made them lose that playoff series is not entirely accurate. Not entirely accurate, but, fair, but, but it didn't help. It didn't. It certainly didn't help. <laughs> we'll never know whether it costs them or not because we literally don't have the power to see yeah. alternate universes. Because yeah, remember, like you said, in baseball, like it takes more than one player to right. like the, um, to win, win a game, let alone a series. Yeah. And, you know, there's – I mean, case in point, the Nationals this year subtracted Bryce Harper and got better somehow. So well because put that think, in your pipe and think, smoke it. I think guys were just hungry. Yeah. It helped it 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 um uh, it strapped them less for cash, so they were able to like invest that money into like other parts. Yeah. You know, like not maybe not get a megastar, but like, hey, get like some some good quality talent, good quality pieces, try to mold it together. Howie Kendrick for one. Yeah. Um and I mean Anthony Rendon also and they had, and they continued to develop into a superstar that he is, and Who? they have uh, Anthony Rendon. Rendon, yeah. and also I mean they were in the enviable position where they have Juan Soto, who's one of the best young players in the game, and so we're able to say, all right, you're getting better and better each year, so we're just going to count on some of your increased production making up for what Bryce left. And then like and then a year before, like they got Scherzer. Yeah, they signed him two or three years ago, something yeah. like that. Um, yeah, they had – so, I mean, you know. So, they, they were building. Yeah. Um, 
But, you know, so, you know, their, their competitive window was sort of considered to have opened in 2012. And that's a team that's over the last few years has just had a lot of playoff heartbreaks and a lot of like, oh, so closes. Um, and really, I think people consider that their window to be closing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially this year. I mean, they're, they're on average the oldest team in baseball, uh, this year. Mm. So. You know, they do have some good young players, but, you know, Anthony Rendon's a free agent. He may not come back. Strasburg just opted um, out. Right, yeah, he opted out of his deal. So he gonna get he's hey. probably not coming back either, and it was the right thing for him to do because it, go get paid, buddy. Get your money. Um, but a great see. It's You know, it's always nice when you sort of see a squad kind of finally break through like that. It's like you know, the it's like the Marlins, yeah, like like just like an improbable team winning yeah. it, or like uh, you know finally Toronto breaking through. It's like seems like the last few years, like you know, unless unless it's the NFL and the New England Patriots, like even then, like a like a couple years ago, we're not too far removed from the Eagles finally, you know, like in their drought of never winning the Super Bowl, like yeah. them. The Capitals, well, the think Nationals. About, think about, remember the Donovan McNabb Eagles where they played and lost four consecutive NFC Championship games? Man, it was like... They outbills the Bills? I think it was... <laughs> God, I think... Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, they won the last one, and that was 04 uh-huh. when they went to the Super Bowl and lost to the mm-hmm. Patriots. Uh, they beat but, Michael Vick's, um, you know, Falcons to get there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, like, you know... Another team that kind of, but you know, they had to basically go through a completely different era to get, to get that ring finally. So anyways, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's just kind of cool when like, Raptors, yeah. when you see a squad kind of, yeah, the Raptors is a good example. Yeah, so a squad like, kind of get their, get their yeah. lumps and sort of just keep hitting their head against the wall it, every year it, and was, then finally actually succeed because all they needed was a superstar in Kawhi. Right. <laughs> Honestly, man, normally in normal life, how that ultimately plays out is basically what's going to happen to the trailblazers. You're just going to be kind of good for a few years and then kind of start to decline. And then you're rebuilding again. Well, here's the thing um, though. I'll tell you who's going to be good. The, uh, the thunder, because like they actually are, they, they actually are competitive. Okay. I mean, I guess that helps because you have Chris Paul, but like yeah. they're actually competitive, competitive. So they're not, they're not going to be like an extremely extreme tanking team. Yeah. Like, as people thought they would be, like, you know, be a dumpster fire. I think they, the scores of the uh, games that I've seen them in, like, they've been competitive. I think they actually, um, uh, I think they actually beat the Rockets when, um, when they played. And I mean, yeah. you know what? That's a squad that we'll, we'll see, but that's a squad that amassed a butt ass ton of draft picks. They got a bunch of draft way, so. picks. They, they still have like a, 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 a former all star and like, and, they could, maybe they could make the playoffs, like yeah. as an AC. Who knows? And plus, they who's to say they can't get the number one overall pick because the the draft lottery is, you know, yeah. Who the hell knows? Just give it to the worst team, I guess. Like, just I, why do they do that? It's supposed to stop tanking, but teams tank anyway. And in fact, it's even worse. So just the Pelicans should have never had like Zion, no. but. Whatever. But it was good for him. I honestly think that might have been rigged a little bit because they are a small market team and they, and they needed like needed somebody to fill that void of Anthony Davis. 
I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if that's the conspiracy and that turned out to somehow be true. <laughs> but I digress. Anyway, uh, we'll get to that in the NBA segment. Yeah, um, but this is the Nationals moment, man, and yeah. like the. It's just amazing, like, and like I guess I, feel, I sort of feel, like, I mean, I feel sorry for Bryce Harper. I mean, he went and got paid. Like, I mean, I, you can't feel too sorry for somebody who went out to get paid because who all went and of us, got three hundred yeah. whatever million dollars. Yeah, so like, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't fault him for that. But it's like you leaving a team, and then I mean, it's not necessarily saying the team was better without you, like, but. Technically, they, reached, they were. They've reached the promised land. <laughs> I mean, like in some of those games. I mean, like say if you had like Bryce Harper up to bat during one of those games where they were getting getting uh, uh um when the Astros are mopping the floor with them on some of those blowout games. Bryce Harper could have came in handy, but I guess because of him, there like they had they had like a more balanced team because of, I guess the salary cap and stuff. But boy, does it suck! Like you leave a team for the money. And then before you know it, then next the, the the following year they win the whole thing, something that you were looking for, like so so far throughout your yeah. your your, your whole career thus far, and they win the chip. But you know what I mean? The conventional wisdom was that the Astros were kind of kind of trending down, and the Phillies were trending up. So you know, coming into this season, we probably would have been like, yeah, it was kind of a smart move if he's also trying to chase winning. Uh, but, you but know. the Phillies were, they had potential, but they weren't there yet. And it could have went either way. No, but th- it's a team with a lot of young, talented players and, mm-hmm. you know, sort of yeah. not a much, much less uh, talented version of, like, the Braves. Really just like, all right, we've got a lot of potential. Potent- so, uh, potential but- is only potential until it becomes kinetic energy, yep. man. No, I mean, <laughs> and... You know, I mean, you always see this with any young, any young player, really in any sport at some, there's a point where a guy stops being a guy with potential and just is what he is. So, you know, that's why it's so cool. Yeah, this is how I can spin it back to the Nationals. That's why it's so cool to see a guy like Howie Kendrick having all that success in the playoffs at yeah. like age 36 or whatever. Cause like. In baseball, you can do that though. Well, you can you can absolutely get hot on in small sample sizes in baseball. I mean, you like, can be old and still like be productive. Like, but, but that dude, you know, he's just been like a solid player his whole career. Just someone who was going to play for 10, 12 years and then basically instantly be forgotten when they retire. And because of what he did these last couple weeks, he'll be remembered forever by those fans. Who's that guy? And, who's that guy from the Cubs? Like that. That won a World Series and I think like retired and like worked for ESPN or something. David Ross. Yes. Grandpa Rossi. Yeah, because when he like 40 when he retired or something. Yeah, he became their manager. Oh, they, yeah. They just hired him That's as their right. manager. That's right. So. So, there you go. <laughs> Sip on that. So, like, you can, so you can kind of like, like, maybe not your physical peak, but like, you can peak in terms of like, I guess, Getting getting the chip like in like a much older age. Oh, absolutely! Like while also playing instead of like you know riding a bench. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. That like yeah. that's one of the few. I think that's like the only sport I can think of that you can actually that players can actually do that. Be in like their high thirties and like can still produce and like you know create like a World Series moment that helps pushes their team over the hump, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Well, Barry Bonds was still raking when he was like 39, so, you know. He was still raking? 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, does that come with an asterisk? I mean, I think we we know that it does. I mean, um, I, like I, mean Barry, I like Barry Bonds. Barry and Bonds could, bon- is bald head. <laughs> Barry Bonds could roll out of bed today and hit line drives. Like that dude was a absurdly naturally talented. Or like, let's not get confused. I wonder what he's. Um, I wonder what he's up to now, though. Remember, he came back and was the hitting coach of the Marlins for one weird weird season, and then kind of just moved on. Yeah, but that's that's the last I've heard of him. Mm. Um, and that was only like two years ago, I think. Mm. Anyway, um, he probably has a better life than like McGuire and Sosa. <laughs> yeah, poor Sammy. <laughs> Sammy hit like a freaking brick wall. Yeah, and then he bleached his skin, and then he, and then he's like, yeah, I didn't. He's like he, he's like, did you take steroids or do any performance enhancing drugs? Not on U.S. soil. No, no, no. He said I never failed a drug test. And Jeremy Schapp said, did you take steroids? And he said, I never failed a drug test. I'm here so I don't get fired. <laughs> I love that. I love when... Yeah. It's pretty much that. Yeah. <laughs> because that way... I mean, people could take that sentence and just spin it in a way they want to, but any way they want to, but as long as they're not your words, they, they, they truly can't be like the, like the most damaging towards you because they didn't come out of your mouth. No, what like, all those hey, guys, <laughs> dude, what all those guys should have done is they should have done the Trump playbook, which is like, I didn't do it, but if I did do it, it wasn't a crime. And if it was a crime, then the other guy did it. <laughs> or, or be like OJ Simpson if I did it. Right. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I did it. Anyway, let's move on. Oh, my gosh. You singing Britney Spears? No. No. Oh, no that was oops, a, I, I was, did it I was, again. <laughs> I was singing the Dave Matthews band. Ooh. Because I'm very, very white. Eh. Yes. Remember one time I was like singing like uh I think earlier today I was singing like uh, the Seven Floor crew. Like G Reg. <laughs> Shout out to G Reg who's on my fantasy team. Man. Before we can do anything, we need to pivot to the NFL and talk about some bad football teams, specifically the Browns. Bro, Browns are a bad football team. They're not a team. Speaking of potential, they're not a team with potential. They're just bad. What the hell did I say before the damn season started? They're bad. What did I say about the NFL hype being like the most dangerous, like being the most dangerous thing in sports? Football is is full of so many variables. Like these, the media. I guess the media is most to blame for this, but also the actual team that's underperforming for like for underperforming expect uh, for expectations. They were they were they were Super Bowl contenders according to the media. Like I said in like a couple of previous episodes, like. Pump the brakes. They haven't won. They haven't even been to the playoffs. I think since like two thousand, maybe two thousand one. They have had like two thousand two. Two thousand two. They've had what? Or no, actually, they I'll keep going. Yeah, look. Yeah, you can look that up. But like, they've had like what over twenty plus. I think they might be at thirty now. Like or or at least close to like like uh to to thirty in terms of both like. A bunch, all those starting quarterbacks, over 20 different starting quarterbacks, they haven't landed on one. 
You have a quarterback that has majorly regressed. You got a coach that doesn't know what they're doing. They have a, tra- like a transcendent talent, an OBJ, and they're not using them. They cannot play, like, they can't play defense very well. They cannot play offense very well. They, they're, they're, they're not beating the teams they're supposed to beat. You lose to a Broncos team recently that did not even have Joe Flacco have their starting quarterback and they still mess around and lost in, in convincing fashion. And they're two and six right now. Like they should at least be like breaking 500, but they can, they can't even do that. Side note briefly. Uh, we were right. It was 2002. It was, uh, they played the Steelers. That was the year Tommy Maddox was the Steelers starter. <laughs> um, tell you what, honestly, dude, let's go. Oh, Tim, no, 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 Tim this Couch. is perfect. This is perfect. Tim we'll Couch. Off, we're going to read off the names of these Browns quarterbacks since the Browns re-entered the NFL. Ready? Let's do it. So I'm going to read them off like repeating the season. So starting in 1999, we have Couch, 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 uh-huh. Holcomb, uh-huh. Garcia, uh-huh. Dilfer, uh-huh. Fry, uh-huh. Anderson, uh-huh. Quinn, uh-huh. McCoy, uh-huh. Whedon, uh-huh. Campbell, uh-huh. Hoyer, uh-huh. McCown, uh-huh. Kessler, uh-huh. Kaiser, uh-huh. Mayfield. Uh-huh. There you go, peeps. Who remembers Charlie Fry and they had those uh, guys in the end zone? Uh, with the sign that said Charlie's Fries and it had a picture of French fries on it. Oh, dude, that's great. I think they wore French fry hats too, like that's they were dope. Fry, like they were Frylock. That team was four and twelve, by the way. <laughs> but I I just don't understand. Cleveland hasn't won. They haven't even won their division since they since I guess since they came back from the. Um, like from the dead back in ninety nine. Yeah, no, they, they haven't even won their division since right. they came back. Twenty years. You want to? You want to hear how the Browns years. have finished in their division? Uh, starting in ninety nine. Hit me. Sixth place. Uh huh. Sixth place. Mm-hmm. Third place. Uh huh. Second place. That's the year they made the playoffs oh, as six, a wild card. Well, hold on, sixth place. Yeah, that was back when it was like the AFC Central. I think back oh. before they re re shifted the divisions. Oh gosh. Fourth, 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 fourth. Second, fourth, fourth, third, fourth, 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 third. And they're third this year. They're and bad. That, and that's only because Cincinnati is pretty much tanking. Although you do have to genuinely, it has to be a weird year for you to finish seven and nine and be in fourth place. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um, my deal is just, it's, bro, prove it. You have to prove it on the field first. And, I was not sold on the coach, man. Like, I wasn't sold on the hype because they hadn't won anything yet. And, you know, it's things like Freddie Kitchens earlier in the year calling a, what was it, a draw on fourth and nine? Like, yeah. you know, I don't know. That's almost more inexcusable to me than, like, the Colts' fake punt play. Like, that just is so, like... It was like you pressed the wrong button in Madden, like you know, like he pressed the wrong button in real life, or in the, or like you're in the red zone starting. You have four downs to score, and then like pass, 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 pass right. play against like a great like uh, uh, pass rushing defense in the Rams. And you know what? If we're gonna criticize young black quarterbacks for being too all over the place, then we need to level the same criticism at Baker Mayfield I'm not, for being just kind of 
wildly inconsistent. I'm not convinced. I'm, I am not convinced that he's the answer. Talk about a sophomore I'm not either, slump. man. Talk like, about a sophomore slump. They even gave him new toys to play with. OBJ? And, but look, he should at least be like in a Pro Bowl uh, consideration if, if you get OBJ. I just throw 12 picks. Wow. Um, like, look at these games here. Yeah. Like, Tennessee, that was a winnable game. Like, now, the Jets, okay, they won that one because, like, the Jets didn't have a quarterback. LA Rams, that was a winnable game. Somehow they blew out the Baltimore Ravens. Was that San Francisco or was it S? Yeah, San, San Francisco SFO. Yeah, San Francisco. Okay, they got they got crushed. Now, like now to be clear, they lost. They blew it. They blew a lead against Seattle. To be fair, now New he, England, <laughs> he's on pace to get sacked like forty five times, which is that's pretty bad. So he's he's out there running for his life every game because their offensive line isn't any good, Except, and that's <laughs> that's the whole thing, right? Is like. They did all this flashy stuff. They brought in uh, Beckham and, you know, and they got Nick, Nick Chubb and they have all these great weapons all around the sort of skill positions. But like, oh, they get Kareem Hunt, too. But <laughs> I'm not even I'm not even touching that. Just, uh, we've already talked about depressing today. Go read about it if you need to know. Yeah. Um, I'm made that's what he deserves. <laughs> that is what he deserves. Being but, on the Browns. <laughs> But, you know what I mean? It's like they sort of kind of didn't improve, like, the most important thing, which is having, you know, have the best quarterback in the world, and if he's just getting hit on every play, like, I mean, it, I mean, that's kind of been Brady this year. Like, Brady is just kind of like, he's just been getting hit Deshaun, all the time. And Deshaun and, Watson, but Deshaun yeah. Watson just got speed and youth to, right. like, you know, pull magic out of his behind. And 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 they just keep winning. <laughs> I'm, and, and to be clear, I'm not I'm not rooting for the Browns to fail. I just it's not that easy, man. It's actually, you know what? It. I am rooting for the Browns to fail because I fucking hate tanking. I hate it. Hate. I'm gonna I'm gonna quote you when you talked about super teams way back in the day. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Hate losing on purpose. It's so goddamn stupid. It is not the reason you play sports. You do not play to lose. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of teams like doing this brazen bullshit where they just empty their rosters, lose on purpose, and then come back with this just rotten organization where no one gives a shit about the team and expect that to suddenly become a winner. It doesn't work that way. I mean, especially, I mean, like if if we're talking about like maybe like like a like a fourteen man ro- uh, roster like in basketball that can make an immediate impact. Oh but, yeah, if but, you but, get the number over, if you get the number one overall pick and you draft LeBron James, yeah, no, you're good. But the but, but football is just one player. Like like uh, if you have like you have a Brady or you have a Patrick Mahomes, hey, how you beat them? Like you score points and you also find ways to keep them off the field. Yeah. And you can beat them that way. They're not the ones playing defense. So if you got a crappy defense, what's going to happen? <laughs> so but you know what? I mean, no more overall picks is not going to solve all your problems. Case in point: Mahomes was drafted tenth. There were a bunch of teams that had a shot at Mahomes Watson, and chose not to. Watson was drafted what, like, like middle, something like that. Yeah. Um, Lamar Jackson was the last pick of the of the first round last yeah. year. 
I mean, obviously, Brady's the classic example of someone that everybody overlooked to Brady multiple six, times. Sixth round. Um, but the point being is that smart teams find ways to continually acquire talent. I mean, not to bang the drum on the Patriots, but they just they shift strategies every few years. And I mean, yes, having a Hall of Fame quarterback for 20 years helps, but, you know, they've turned over the roster a number of times. Yeah, they've sold, like, um, a lot of, like, you know, popular and, like, really very skillful players, like, a year or two early, you know, to help, you know, keep this, you know, keep winning the the uh, the salary cap battle. Yeah. And then just, if you have great coaching and stuff, be like, and be able to sell somebody on, hey, on the way you do things, you can get the most out of somebody. Well, honestly... We don't even have to bang the drum on the Patriots. If you look around the NFL, the, the Eagles. Colts. I, well, yeah, yeah. The, the Colts did bottom out when Peyton got hurt, though, but not on purpose. Yeah, but right um, now, though, like, imagine Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, no, it's there. true. They and did. that defense, offensive line, but it, it came like too late. Well, you know, if you know, when Luck is literally on his like last legs, that that should have that should have been what they had in his early career, right? Well, I mean, if they hadn't had Ryan Grigson, but yeah. we, we've done the Grigson thing already. Yeah, he still um, sucks. <laughs> but Grigson still sucks. <laughs> uh, but, like, if you look at, like, the Eagles or... Um, Maybe the Eagles are, have been up and down today, this year. No, I know, but, like, I'm looking over, like, the past 20 years. That's uh, a team that has not gone full tank ever. They've continually turned... You know, they haven't always been Super Bowl contenders every year, yep. but they've... They've turned over the roster a bunch of different times, and they've just said, we're just going to keep trying to bring in talented players, and we're going to keep trying to win instead of... And then they got Big Dick Nick. Right. <laughs> Yo. And the Cowboys, they never tank. Yeah. And you know what? <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry Jones. But you know what? I respect that, because... You respect that, and I respect Dak. Right. Yeah. No, Dak was, what, a fourth-round pick, wasn't he? Third round, I think. Third, yeah, right. Yeah. Russell Wilson wasn't picked in the first round. Like, yo, he unseated uh, Matt Flynn, who they paid like ten million dollars for that year. Right. So <laughs> Pete Carroll, man, if you are <laughs> smart, but also incredibly lucky. You can find talent other places. It's not all about getting those top draft picks. And and I mean, and again, I'm not even disputing that getting lots of high draft picks is a bad way to... I'm not saying that's a bad way to build a team. It isn't. I just... I hate it. I hate that there are teams that are intentionally trying to lose, and if that is what the rules encourage, then the rules should change. Period. Yeah. Like, anyway, that's my rant. <laughs> like, you know, on, on the subject of tanking, like, the Miami Dolphins, they, they are explicitly trying to suck, but... This past Sunday Why? proved they sucked at sucking. They lost. They won against the Jets, dude. So why this the magic? Hell, why in the hell? Again, like yeah. If, if we're doing this, this if magic. We're, if we're doing tanking, get me to play quarterback. No, 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 no. <laughs> why the hell did they let Flores start Fitzpatrick over Rosen? Rosen was a Taco Bell turd. Be, like, ooh, ooh, it, like. <laughs> It hurt going in and coming out. Jeez. Um, <laughs> it, like, Rosen was the perfect tanking quarterback. He was there to Sean Kaiser, and they should have just let him keep playing. He's also very like unlucky, though. He he got it. He 
got his butt beat in uh, in Arizona. After one year, they shipped him off and then to an even worse organization. And just to get his 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 butt beat up, his confidence is shot. And he's probably going to retire at like age twenty six or twenty seven. Yeah. And he didn't deserve that. Well, because say what you will about Ryan Fitzpatrick, but that's a guy that can come in and sling it. Like he's just a, not afraid to throw a ton of interceptions, and he's just going to throw it. And in a Harvard grad, he he will win some games. And if again, like, what the hell are you doing if you win a game? Like. Trying to some people trying to keep at this point it's like people are trying to keep their uh, some people are trying to keep their jobs. I mean, Flores certainly is, but again, that's when the front office. I can't believe I'm saying this. That's when the front office should have stepped in and been like, "No, you're not playing Fitzpatrick." Like, yeah, if that if that's their freaking goal is to lose, then they shouldn't be playing Ryan Fitzpatrick. He about cost they should them, have a loss. him in the first place. He about cost them a loss uh, against the against the Redskins. I mean, the, the Washington football team. Yeah. <laughs> um. So and then they, I don't know what the hell they're doing. And then they the they beat the Jets. How are the Jets like this bad? Although in fairness, how are the Jets this bad? Before we go to the Jets, in fairness, Miami has acquired three extra first round picks this year because of the Laramie Tunsil trade and the Mika Fitzpatrick trade. So, but they they want that quarterback. They want like yeah. they want well, Tua is the ultimate prize. They're gonna have a bunch of chances because you know worst case scenario they don't get the number one overall pick. They can package picks to move up if they need to. Yeah, you'd prefer not to because you'd rather get a bunch of good players. But Man. whatever. I mean, the last time um, somebody moved up uh, to draft to pick a quarterback, that was. Um, um, that was the Bears with Mitch Trubisky. They were they were literally number three pick, and they just moved up one spot. I think they traded like a first round pick just to move up one spot to get the guy when he probably would have easily fell on their laps anyway. Mitchell Falsbisky, man, oh my! I think goodness. he's permanently Falsbisky now. Like, there's no there's no debate. There. I'm a Carolina man, and but. Like, I mean, less like more for basketball, and less for football. But sometimes I'll watch the football games, but. He's he he's not he's not a good quarterback. It's not like like I'm not I mean I'm not saying that they don't have no like they don't have like I guess the best like wide receivers, but like your quarterback's supposed to help make to help elevate that play, and plus they got good you know, like two good running backs that can catch pass out of the backfield right. and can run. But it just seems like he I think he threw for under two hundred yards like this past Sunday. It was not good. I'll tell you what it is. It's, I mean, it's partially the decision making, but almost none of his passes are accurate. He's just not like, good. There's some guys who are like kind of, you know, in the middle, kind of just okay in the accuracy department, and they just make up for it by having a really strong arm. Uh-huh. So it just gets there faster. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. One of those Bears primetime games early in the season, I kind of sat and like sat there watching him for a few series and just looking at the trajectory of his passes. Was it the Saints game? Because that was a pretty bad one. I can't remember which game it was, but I just, I was just like, this guy cannot hit a receiver in the hands to, to save his life. Was it worse than Tebow? I mean, Tebow, like, <laughs> should never have started an NFL game, period. <laughs> Like that's an entirely different case in like. I mean, how, fair though that that was probably a probably a publicity stunt to like sell tickets, and boy did it sell tickets. So it got me watching Thursday night football games. 
Oh no, I just think that I just think that um I mean what would you rather what's more what would you rather watch Tim Tebow play and pull like a miracle hours behind or watching Mitchell Trubisky like just underperform like every series? Almost one of series. those two is good enough to play in the NFL. Yeah. I mean Mitch Trubisky is good enough He's to good. be a bad NFL quarterback. Tim Tebow wasn't even good enough for that. But he still got, but he got to the playoffs and he's got a playoff victory. And I, and like, I don't, I'm not even sure if, like, yes, Trubisky you know is I'm better. I'm proud of my team for putting a freaking end to that, to that. Oh, wait, you, what, you talking about New England? Yeah. It's my team too, man. <laughs> I'm proud of our team. Whatever. Yeah, but no, Try you're not good. to be a complete homer on here. No, um, you're good. But like, Trubisky, he's not, a, they, they, they drafted up. They, they uh, traded up to get him to be a franchise savior. And I don't know what it is about Chicago, but whatever quarterback they touch just does not pan out. They have not had a decent quarterback since, like, Jay Cutler, and the, he did and he, he was just kind of up and down. And then and then before that, their, their most noble quarterback was Kyle Orton, and then their best quarterback they ever had was back in the 80s with Jim McMahon. Jim McMahon uh, had a career 58% completion percentage, 100 touchdowns, 90 picks, 7.1 yards per attempt. Man, the NFL was different back then. Yeah. A backup quarterback would blush at these numbers now. This is not, that's just awful. They had personality in the Super Bowl shuffle, man. Of course. So, um, did uh, he rush much? Actually, he kind of did a little bit. Look at that. It's a, yeah, a few rushing touchdowns in there. Look at yeah. Mr. McMahon. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, anyway. I, I guess we can kind of see why he's like having, I guess, like some CTE. You hear, like, see, hear the stories about the, see, I guess, I think there was a segment once, like my brother told me about, about Jim McMahon. Like he'll go into the kitchen and then like have no idea what the heck he's like doing. And he don't, he can't remember why he went to the kitchen and stuff. And yeah, like, that was a rougher time as well with football, but like also too, like I mean that was an era where stadiums with artificial turf basically had the turf like glued to concrete. Like, ouch! Dudes were literally just getting their heads slammed into concrete, pretty much. Ugh! Like, Ooh. different era. They, they, you know, and that was the era where, you know, in a team's locker room, you'd walk in and there'd just be a bucket of painkillers there. And the team doc would be like, hey, boys, go get what you need. So, huh. anyway, we're talking, yeah. about, we're talking about quarterbacks and stuff like Jameis Winston look like he ain't going to pan out. Like, and just me or is just Tennessee just has like rotten luck when like trying to get like, you know, franchise, like, you know, signal callers. Remember, uh, like after Steve McNair, they really haven't had much. Like, yeah. remember the whole Vince Young thing? Jeff Fisher killed his career. Then like at one point they had Kerry Collins starting for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that one good year. Yeah. Jake Locker. Uh-huh. He retired early because he they just let him get the crap beat out of him. He couldn't hold his body couldn't hold up. Like Jocker. Mariota, he got got caught the crap he beat out of him. And he's like a shell of himself. They got to the point he was benched by Tannenhill. And Tannehill showed his his like, you know, his true colors, you know, this past Sunday, which by the way, me, my girlfriend, and uh well, one of my best friends, who's ironically also named Daniel. <laughs> uh 
went to the went to see the Panthers game. Panthers take on the Titans. Uh, yeah, first yeah. time my my uh, longtime girlfriend got a chance to actually watch her watch her boys play live, which is a gift and a curse. Great because you know it's her first game being her see her favorite team play her favorite football team. That's amazing. What's not amazing is Ryan Tannehill throwing interceptions, making making the job easier for the Panthers to win, and uh, making her feel depressed like that first half. That's not fun. They started to make it a game, but they just made too many like mistakes to like climb out of. Tannehill has brought like a little spark to that offense since he's come in. He so. he's he can bring a spark, but he's not the long term solution. No, I think and it's and like it's gonna solution. be a long time till they can find a long term solution because the Titans finish in the middle of the pack every year. So them getting a Tua or or a Lawrence or anything or anybody like that is like out of the question. Draft and develop. Well, you know what? Okay, they should just lose on purpose then. That that ain't gonna work because they just have no hope and have no fans go to their games. They're too they're too good of a football team to suck, and they're not and they're too and they don't and they're not a, a and they're not a good enough team to make it to the playoffs. But well, they just, are a fun team to watch, though. You can lose on purpose. You just take you just trade away all of your good players. Done. Uh, done and done. I fixed the Titans. Have you seen like like have you seen it this bad where there's like a team that's like zero and seven. One and seven, one and seven. There's like, there's like at least five there's teams a, that like only have like, like one, one win, uh, one or, uh, one or two wins or less. See, that's the weird <laughs> thing is. And then you got like these teams that are like only have one loss and stuff. I think we've swung. <laughs> it's becoming almost like baseball is where it is so, so stratified. And what's going to happen is I think you're going to see a lot more 14, 15 win seasons because there's just more gimmies on the schedule than there were in previous years. Close your eyes, just throw um, the ball, just chuck it up there, see if... Uh, see. <laughs> and, I mean, I would not, like, it would have to, again, you would have to involve some just absurd luck, but it would not surprise me to see a team in maybe these next five years go 16-0 and either. Because, um, again, if you get lucky and you have, like, two teams tanking in your division, that's, like, four free wins. I mean, you that's, know. I mean, that's New England almost every year, pretty much yeah. every year. Well, I mean, you, you, in our division, I mean, the Bills are actually good this year, the but, Bills. We have, but we have Miami and we have the Jets who tank just by existing. <laughs> like, whether the Jets that, are trying to win or not, they're tanking because they exist. That was the saddest Monday night football game I've ever seen. And we didn't, and, and the Patriots didn't even play that good. They didn't yep. even play that well. It's just the Jets sucked so bad. They just had to just, just be there and just be waiting for the ball. Boom! Interception. Well, it's, it's sort of like this proverbial, this proverbial fight between like a younger brother and his older brother. And the older brother just kind of is so much bigger that he just holds the younger guy at arm's length and just watches his fists kind of flail uselessly at the air. It makes like, me. It was the football equivalent of that. I'll tell you what it was the football equivalent of. Like that episode of Home Movies when Shannon goes against Brendan the first time. Yeah. And then, like, Shannon just straight up mops the floor with him. This is called the Tasmanian Foot Lock. Ah, you can't get out of this. <laughs> One bam, one knee to the nose, and then like pretty much a sharpshooter, and then like it was done. That was pretty much that. Yeah. I just also wanted just to reference home movies because like that's it's as a pretty baller show. And then like we can't talk about like quarterbacks or 
busted up, busted down quarterbacks or without talking about like Cam Newton. Yeah. I hate to say it, but I think like Kyle Allen is not the answer. He's not, I don't, th- I don't find him as a long term solution unless he like just astronomically improved like weekend, weekend, like, like year to year, like from here this year to next year. Those, like, even my mom was talking about this. And like, <laughs> my mom is not like a sports person, but she, uh, but she started to become a sports person because, you know, my, my, you know, my late dad, like, got her into sports like that. You know, we went to games and all that, but she would watch the football games and she would see Cam throwing his body to like, for the greater good of the team, taking all them hits and stuff. She's like, Cam needs to sit down or else he, he gonna end up bust, like, break, breaking, uh, breaking his body down to the point is, isn't gonna be any good. And I think it has finally happened. I mean, the guy's not gonna play this whole year. So that should tell you something about the severity of what he's dealing with. And then he probably shouldn't even play those first two of regular season games because yeah. you can tell he wasn't good. Yeah. And then he, in that he preseason was, he was game. He was so hurt that he was missing the whole, that he was good, that he missed the whole season. Like, yeah, no, he shouldn't have been out there in the first And, game. and, like, well, especially like the, the late last season when he just couldn't even throw down the field because his shoulder was so jacked up. Yeah. And then like the fact that our, I mean, kudos like, to him for trying. Yeah. But, like, good lord. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, unfortunately, it was them playing against the Patriots where his foot got injured and he got sacked. And then, like, he just was, he just was been hurt ever since. Yeah. Like, is it, is it just like, like freak accidents these last couple of years or is it, or has it truly been his body just constantly taking a pounding to the point where his body's starting to fail him now? Because he is, he, he was drafted in 2011. And what is that? It's eight. That's eight years. So that I mean, mean, seven. That's pretty much seven. Uh, seven. Uh, uh, like if you take away this season, that's still like seven years of him of his body taking punishment. Well, and let's let's not forget that we're we're now four years removed from his MVP season from the undefeated fifteen and one Panthers. The undefeated fifteen and one. When, my favorite. When he lost when he lost to like the I think they lost to like the Niners or like the Giants or something. Like No, they were the undefeated fifteen and one Panthers. It's my favorite meme ever. Man, I I'm not going with that. They're the ones that, for crying out loud, they they went like like seven, like seven, eight and one and and uh, made it to a playoff game. That's amazing. So they don't deserve that meme. No, they do. Didn't they win because of like Ryan Lindley? Or was that that yes. year? Yeah, I remember that. And then they played the real team in the Seahawks. Yeah. <laughs> they almost came back. Yeah, but um, that Legion of Boom though. But I want to hear your thoughts on like Cam Newton. Like what you what you thought of him at, uh, as a player and what is going on, like how you feel now about where we are now with him in terms of his, his injuries and stuff. So, so I have a buddy who is maybe, like, the biggest Cam Newton fan in the world and throughout this season has been, like, processing his grief in real time. Oh, no. Via conversations with me, and I keep seeing him pop up to argue with people in comment sections about it. Um, But, so I've had this conversation a lot, but, like, Cam made the Panthers relevant. He did. In a way that... He had Jimmy Clausen for him. I don't even think the Panthers were quite relevant in this way in, like, the 2003 Super Bowl season, even. Like, they 
he that it factor that you were talking yeah, about swag can but but the leadership too he's mm-hmm. he's also like the emotional center of that team I don't know they also some people want to give him flag for like you know that the whole debacle you know like the post game interview in the uh, Super Bowl and stuff and blah 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 but he looks like dude is <laughs> who is going to be happy after that like that was stupid yeah the dude is always going to have a greater microscope on him and have and there's just I mean the black quarterback I think we yeah we can't discount that that because of his race he's always going to have a, a greater microscope on him and yeah. so the yes the criticism of him after that was not fair he probably should have dove into that pile to recover that fumble, but whatever, it wouldn't have won the game anyway. Um, but the point is, the point is, the point is, the point is, the point is in my pants. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, literally, this podcast is just becoming like a self-referential singularity that's going to collapse on itself. Um, Dang. <laughs> we're going to become a black hole. Um, Cam made the Panthers relevant. Yeah, and uh, people are saying, like, he's a tight end or a running back playing quarterback and stuff. I'm like, oh, dude, he's a he, quarterback. He came in and ultimately had success as a passer. He came in and was, like, immediately a star and the center of attention in a way that, honestly, man, this was a friggin' expansion franchise in the 90s. And honestly... Kevin Green, Sam Mills. This is just entirely anecdotal evidence, but, like... I feel like up until that 15 and 1 season, I think they really had a hard time like connecting with the with the communities in this part of the country, connecting with the fans. Mm. And I don't know what it was. It's just teams have to kind of be around for a while and have moments mm-hmm. in order for people to really engage, you know. Okay. Red Sox fans are so crazy dedicated because like it's like a family thing almost you know I'm a Red Sox fan because my dad was and he is because his dad was you know and that sort of thing going all the way back but well, Carolina is not really like a, a, a like a significant city like a New York or Boston well, and blah, yeah blah. But, but you know when you when you've sort of had this team that hasn't a hasn't been around that long and just kind of hasn't really done a whole lot. I mean, you know, there was that cool story where the team made the NFC Championship the second year they existed, which is kind of wild. Kevin Green. Um, <laughs> Kevin Green, Sam Mills. Harry uh, Collins was in there. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you know, they made the Super Bowl in 03 with Jake Delhomme. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, like, don't forget, like, Steven Touchdown Davis, who used to play for the Steven Washington Davis. football team. Oh, man. And, and then, like, Deshaun Foster. Deshaun Foster, yeah. A young Steve Smith. Moose Muhammad. Moose. Moose. John Casey, the kicker. Lefty. God. Yeah. No, that was great. I hate that he kicked that Chris out of Chris Jenkins, the defensive tackle. Julius Peppers, can't forget him. Um, Ricky Prohl was on that oh, team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. But... My argument really is that I don't think anybody on that team was quite the media star and quite the figure that Cam became. The mascot. And so like, yeah, the face. You know, so, I mean, I really think you can credit Cam Newton for those two things. He probably won't win a ring with the Panthers, but I can't give you scientific numbers to back this up, but I don't remember seeing nearly as many people wearing Panthers gear before that 2015 season. Like, mm. that, I feel like, was the moment that that franchise really actually 
connected with and formed a fan base that's going to support them into the future. I don't know. Like I'll say a couple years before that because I, I did see like a bunch, see a lot, like see a, a lot of like Cam Newton jerseys. Yeah, when he was doing his thing and all that. Yeah, that's before okay, the maybe, Super Bowl run. Maybe yeah. the Cam era then. Oh yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. But like, Cam's a big deal. People were not coming out to buy fucking Jimmy Clausen jerseys. You know, Vinny <laughs> um, Testaverde, I think, played that year too. <laughs> yeah. So one in fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's sad because yeah, I think it probably is the end of an era because I. I don't know how they keep him with that 20 mil price tag unless mm-hmm. they know for a fact that he can be that player again. But and, then. And I don't think that's a guarantee at this point. But then I what's your feet? Yeah, sorry, go ahead. I think it's very likely that, I hate to say it, but like, just like with JJ Watt or some oh. of the other players that have sort of very tragically kind of had injuries cut into the second half of their careers, I think we've very likely seen the best of Cam already. Like, and, so. What do we do? Like, I mean, will the Panthers keep them just out of virtue of like they don't really have a future at quarterback? I mean, Allen is he he is he is he's a he's decent and like he he could be good and then like with time and like if who knows maybe he could grow to be great. But right now he's like a quality backup quarterback. Yeah, and like no, and he's not a crappy uh, backup, think, so that's a good thing. Yeah, but I don't see him as being like. You know, franchise, like, you know, a, 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 like a franchise answer at quarterback. Like, I think like at this point, it's McCaffrey is the new face of the franchise. Have you, have you seen like a lot of like McCaffrey jerseys, man? A few. But I mean, like, like, <laughs> I'm sure we'll see them after this year, certainly. Um, I mean, especially a white dude at running back, man, like only Toby Gerhardt wish he could be there. <laughs> I was that just good. about to say Toby Gerhardt fans tonight. That was supposed to be Toby Gerhardt. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh. Anyway. Um, we love you, Cam. We hope that... I hope I'm wrong. I hope mm-hmm. I have not seen the best of Cam Newton because the NFL is a better place with him being good. Yeah, and his and his fashion. <laughs> but Well, that's never going away. But here's the thing, though. If he doesn't play for Carolina, where does he go next year? Because there's a lot of quarterback hungry teams. Tennessee, Chicago. I mean, dude, yeah. Washington, but I don't wish it upon nobody. Well, team, the, the ideal place for him to go is Miami, New York. No, it's, it's a team that is already has other pieces in place. You don't, you don't want him going to rebuilding. Chicago, they have a defense. Yeah. They got a run game. Chicago has a defense and skill position players. Um, I mean, if the Vikings decide to say cut date with, um, that could be good with, with cousins. like that. Yeah. You like that? I couldn't remember his name. Kirk so. Cousins. But you know, like that sort of team that's like, we feel like we're a quarterback away from, from getting to the promised land. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, like the Steelers, maybe, uh, um, maybe if, if, if Ben's just done. Jacksonville, um, but uh, it, the problem is Jacksonville is locked into Nick Foles no matter what they do because they gave him all that money. And honestly, that they benched Gardner Minshew, which I think I, I thought know, it was man. the right call because Minshew right now he's a quality backup, but he didn't he didn't like. He didn't like the, like those first few weeks that he started, he, he kind of lit the world on fire, but then he kind of scaled down and he kind of showed like, Hey, I'm not, 
he's at the cusp of being a starter, but he's not like I I wouldn't put him over Foles unless Foles can't go. The thing is, he's young, and I think we just already know what Foles is. Um, and I think Minshew was better in those games than you're giving him credit for. He really stunk it up in that last game, but like if you look at the body of work other than that. Dude did some pretty wild stuff. Yeah, he was able to escape and, pressure. And made stuff. some play, like yeah. Plus, that mustache gives him powers. He was making accurate throws. He was making correct reads, which are like two things that are absolutely not a guarantee for a guy to do, especially so young. Mm-hmm. And honestly, he made some kind of wild, like one percentile type plays too. So, like, that's a dude who's got the goods. You got the good and Garner Minshew, like, like now. What about like? And honestly, can he be a face of a franchise? Minshew, Minshew mania, big dick Nick. And honestly, Nick Foles is the football equivalent of like. He's definitely better than Bortles. A hit, like a hit. <laughs> I'm thinking of like a lot of those stories that happen in MLB playoffs where a guy who was like a mediocre hitter all year suddenly gets hot and kind of drives the team to a championship. Like, that's what Nick Foles is. Nick Foles has a large body of work of decidedly mediocre play. And then, but, they, then he got the he got Philly into the playoffs last year and he, won a playoff game. He had an eight. And people and forget. And probably could have won like another playoff game. <laughs> Well, for the fumble. People forget that Nick Foles was, so, like, the Eagles were really good, and they made the playoffs the year they won the Super Bowl, right? Mm -hmm. People forget that Nick Foles was awful those, like, last three games of the year. He was horrible. (laughs) And somehow he, like, turned it around and found it again in the playoffs and Mm -hmm. threw for 400 yards against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Fair enough. That was just because our defense was extremely bad. <laughs> the Philly special, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's all, it's all legend now. Malcolm Butler um, benching, and also, you know, he he broke his hand, like, at, at the Panthers game. 500 yards in that game. Anyway, yeah. uh, the point uh, is... Um, yeah, well, so Malcolm Butler, he broke his hand, like, on, uh, broke his wrist, like, at the game on Sunday. Oh. oh. But, I don't know, man. I just... I mean, I think they were kind of stupid to give Foles all that money anyway. Obviously, they couldn't have known that they had what they had in Minshew, but like, no one else was giving Bulls that contract. They could have, they could have paid him decidedly less and not be in this friggin' position where, unfortunately, it kind of doesn't matter. Couldn't pay Ramsey. Cause, okay, because the point is, okay, maybe Minshew's not a future MVP, but he's, he's I good. Think he's he's good. a starting quarterback. He's good. And that is, he's a starting quarterback on a rookie contract. Mm-hmm. Which makes him absurdly valuable because that's money you can put if you were a normal team somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But you've already gone and spent all that money on freaking bowls mm-hmm. anyway. So it's kind of like found gold, but not. I guess I'm just you like, I, I guess I just have like PTSD of just watching like young quarterbacks with potential and a lot of them just falling flat on their face by by year three and four and then like it just wrecks their franchise they gotta hit the reset button all over again trying to find a franchise signal caller that they won't be able to find for at least another decade you know but but what what's the alternative paying some old guy who's just kind of okay like like i mean do you honestly do you honestly believe we're getting like 
2017 playoff Nick Foles here? Like, likely not because you know you're talking about yeah, it's a whole different environment. Man. He ain't got he ain't got those players like that. And plus, that's that's two years is kind of like in football years. That that does seem like forever ago. It sucks about Steph's rest, man. It's like once they lost that NBA uh, finals, it just went. <whistles> then they caught a branch, right? They caught a branch before they fell. And then once Curry like uh, broke his uh, broke his wrist, that that branch snaps, and then you fall the rest away. Someone on on the Ringer NBA show pointed this out. Have you? Can you ever remember? a time where a team in the span of about 10 games had serious injuries to three Hall of Famers. That's, I mean, that's, that's pretty bonkers. And it almost feels like the karma pendulum swinging back really hard from all of the absurdly good luck it gave the Warriors to even (laughs) set this up in the first place. (laughs) The Warriors just like, just, just like bullying, beating up on everybody. Someone... (laughs) The fall is just extremely rapid. I haven't seen a fall this great from like a from a championship team or like a team that was in the finals to like to like the to the next year of like not even like not even look like you're even gonna make it not even close to the playoffs since like the Chicago Bulls when they like lost like um Jordan and Pippen and all of them and then they were just like just a just a team in red <laughs> with a Bulls logo. Phil Jackson. They didn't have Phil anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like they had, they were like they had guys like Rusty Larue and like guys like that. Like, I'm like, man. You know what's gonna be weird, man? <laughs> that first year after Brady retires. Oh yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm waiting on it, dude. Even if, and honestly, I think Belichick is hanging on because he wants to he wants to see if he can do it after Brady goes. Um, nah. and this is weird rumors that Brady might leave this offseason. I don't see that happening. Um, go ahead and join the Chargers. Go ahead and join the Chargers. Let's see how well that works out, dude. <laughs> honestly, dude, go to a team where you're actually going to get hit a lot. And although he's getting hit a lot this year, I guess, but you yeah. know, like, but we'll get, go to a team with back. the offensive line and he's going to retire like then He's going to just turn to dust. Okay. With the Lakers. Okay. On three. Well, what are we going to say? One. Two, three, fuck the Lakers. <laughs> and like, Dan will explain why. And also, I think this is like on the record, it's like my first like F bomb on this. No, you've had others. Really? Um, yeah, I've, I've edited them all out. Yes, fuck the Lakers. Um, so, okay, I'm biased here. I'm a Celtics fan. But you know what? I'm a Bulls fan. We ain't doing, we ain't doing nothing. <laughs> my team did everything right. Mm-hmm. They spent years hoarding assets, mm-hmm. drafting good players, mm-hmm. uh, and they built a team and and executed, you know, a uh, almost the equivalent of a Herschel Walker trade, basically to have a shot at a guy at like maybe trading for a guy like AD because they know they'll never be able to sign one in free agency. Mm-hmm. And as we know in the NBA, you either have a superstar or you're an also ran. 
whatever, man. It's still a fun sport, but that's the way it is. You're a what ran? And also ran. Also ran. You're, you're, ne- you don't have a shot. Ooh. You're just someone else who happened to be in the race. Ooh. Um, you're one of the ten teams that has a superstar, or you're just someone who didn't win the title. Um, eh. and so that's pretty much, that's Charlotte now. Yep. Oh, and it's been Charlotte for many, many years. Um, and really, basically, over one half season, it kind of got blown up because Kyrie just walked and they got nothing for him. You know, and it was also kind of like a head case, too. No, but <laughs> you cannot you cannot deny his talent and that he's one of the probably 20 best players in the league. So, you know, yeah, losing he just, that. He just didn't fit at the end. I think there's. You know, Kemba Walker is like 75% of that, and it's just not the same. And Kemba Walker, because of his size, is going to struggle at times to be a finisher, and that just, it is what it is. It's true, but like, um, I'm biased as like, you know, like my rooting for like our native, our native team in the, in the Hornets. Like, without him, like, it's like they were an average team with him, and that's, be, and that's after he was put like, put up almost 30 points a game. Yeah. Like, Take him away, they're vying for like the number one spot. They stink. Yeah, no, they're <laughs> They're atrocious. Like, um, but you do everything right. Sometimes it doesn't work out. The Lakers have done arguably everything wrong over the last five <laughs> years. They, I'll say even, I'll raise you even like ten. Well, no, maybe not 10 because, like... They won the title 10 years ago. Okay, they won the title. Um, Okay. And they were still, like, a decent team even for a couple years after that. Okay. Um, Yeah, okay, five. Yeah. But, yeah, pretty much since, like, the last few years of Kobe's career until now, it has been a just dysfunctional organization with people in charge who don't know what the hell they're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know... Genie Buss is being whispered to by Kurt Rebus's wife, and you know, I, you know, go back and read that whole article that came out uh, this summer about the Lakers' dysfunction. It's friggin' hilarious. Um, I, I still just remember Magic Johnson. Like, yeah, we got to talk about like, yeah, people Rob, talking about next year. <laughs> Rob Rob Palinka, I go be here. <laughs> Rob Palinka inventing a story about having dinner with Heath Ledger and talking about talking about the Joker and stuff. That like never happened. Whoa, um, really? Dang. Yeah, that's in that article, dude. Go read Jeez. it. Um, <laughs> and like, yeah, yeah, my, not Michael Jackson, Magic, Magic Johnson. Johnson. <laughs> I just, I just think like, that is so meme worthy. Like, and that could be applied to like almost anything in life. It's like, hey, like, uh, hey, you going to work? To, like, oh man, like, me, you go go me, to work. Me, me quitting my job. Like, hey, I see you work tomorrow. I ain't gonna be here. <laughs> it's like, no, no. Me, hey. me, me, me to my coworkers the day before a holiday. I ain't gonna be here. <laughs> it's like, uh, like, uh, you going to, like, someone's like, hey, I'll see you at the party tomorrow. I ain't gonna be here. <laughs> <laughs> if people, if people were honest instead of just saying, might go on Facebook. <laughs> just put just put like a macro of like just Magic put, Johnson. I go be here. <laughs> <laughs> just put that, like the uh, the gift. <laughs> say say hey hey I'll see you at church tomorrow. I go be here. <laughs> I'm guilty of that. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> like, 
done arguably everything wrong, and yet somehow <laughs> in one off season they get LeBron and they get AD. That like the universe is not fair. And it well, one off season they got him, and then the next off season. Case in point, the Lakers are that rich kid who's had everything handed to them, and this is a stupid metaphor because I don't think I can really drum up sympathy for the Celtics here, but, like, look at all the other teams in the NBA when it's, like, one squad is... I mean, that's why Del Demps intentionally sabotaged those trade talks with the Lakers because it pissed him off that he's worked so... Not that he did a good job, but, like, he worked so hard to, like, try to build a contender in this kind of small market team with not a lot of resources. Uh-huh. And then here the Lakers come waltzing in to like take his best player away. And <laughs> you know, how fair is that? You know, they still, the Pelicans still like, I know he wasn't, the, he wasn't going to be there, but at least like, they still got most of their, got most of the Lakers roster anyway. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, you can, you can say to yourself to make yourself feel better that like, you have stronger moral fiber than that rich kid, and you know all the lumps you've gotten in your life have really, <laughs> really strengthened you and given you all these great personality traits that that rich kid will never have. But let's be honest, dude. Doesn't matter. That rich kid's parents are gonna keel over one day, and he's gonna be a millionaire, and and will just never worry or want for anything, and you're going to be paying off your student loans till you're 70. So, damn! (laughs) Damn! All of those enriching experiences you've had don't mean shit. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for this week's Detox. Man, I mean, I don't even know what this really say. I'd be like uh, Al Pacino. Like, I remember like seeing a comment on YouTube was like, you know that that um that pregame uh, speech he gave. You know that the last like full game they show in the movie. He's like, I don't really know what to say here. And then the comment says, proceeds to give the most epic like pregame speech ever. <laughs> like, you're gonna scratch and claw with your fingernails. <laughs> I'm putting that shit in the show notes. Hey, if you're having a bad day, go fucking watch that. You're gonna wanna, you're gonna wanna like run through a brick wall for someone. It was really powerful because, like, that's before I go to detox. Like, that was a really powerful scene because throughout the, like, in the movie, like, especially that you know, they having that conflict between like uh, Willie Willie Beeman, like Willie Beeman and uh, Coach D, like um, uh, Coach Tony, like, you know. So he's talking about like, you know, for the greater good of the team and, you know, being a leader and this and that. And then, you know, Jamie Foxx's character is driven by ego. And like, he was saying like, I never really like all them talks, them pep, those pep talks you give and stuff in the locker room and stuff. I never really listened to him. But then like when he gave that epic speech, you literally see him like he's like in the back, but he's literally stepping forward to, to get closer because it like turned over a new leaf. Of him actually receiving what his coach was, what the coach was actually telling him. So when he originally neglected him, he just kind of like turns and be like, "Okay, I I can see like I'm being touched here." Um, what I can talk about, I guess, is what hits home. I don't know how I'm gonna like you know talk about. It. It'll probably be brief. It's just like 
Um, I used to not be a believer in like anxiety. I thought it was just, hey, it's just somebody not, you know, you know, thinking happy thoughts or being happy and, you know, like, you know, I, uh, thinking like it was a choice and everything. Um, but honestly, like over the years, like in these recent years, like as I look back on like my past, I think actually I had like anxious tendencies and, um, OCD and all that, like, and I was developed and it's starting to bring stuff up to the forefront with like intrusive thoughts and, you know, other stuff, intrusive thoughts and intrusive actions and all that, you know, feeling guilty about it and rethink like, and then OCD, it feels the OCD of me being like, okay, like, oh, I should do this, or do this, or I feel guilty about this. I feel like I'm a bad person for this or thinking that or for doing this. And then just spins that cycle and then like talking to somebody, like, for example, I'll talk to like my girlfriend about, yeah, I guess kind of like a confessional thing to kind of relieve that guilt and stuff. But then I read on the internet about the whole relief junkie thing, like, uh, instead of like trying to properly cope and just like process it, like either like talk to a, like a real therapist or, you know, you building up your stamina to be like, Hey, these thoughts aren't indicative of who I am but then like when you obsess over things over and over and over and over and with my detox it, it goes with like really it's like the bow of the minds like your mind can it, it can be your greatest strength but it can also be your it it can be your best friend but it can also be your worst enemy actually it is it's both it can be both and um and I think everybody goes through that like goes through that multiple goes through those series of the of that best friend and worst enemy um brain throughout their the course of their whole lives and like i am coming through i'm I'm coming to terms with that like wow like my my brain is it it works differently and like i process things differently than like somebody i guess who would be deemed as normal and like people that I know and love, they, they have their, they, they have their tics or they have their, their, their ways. Or like some people I know that have their, their bouts with anxiety. And like it is like, well, what, regardless of what, like, especially like conservative America might want you to think it is a real thing. I used to think like that was not a real thing and thought it was just something wrong with the person or just, yeah, but. You know, over the years of like, you know, grow, growth and development, you know, go through college and, uh, you know, like, you know, with a liberal school and then like even come coming through stuff that I pretty much had kind of had like buried. Um, yeah, acknowledging the fact that like, yeah, anxiety is it, it can is it's a thing and it, it, it is serious. Um, it. It takes a, it takes a lot of hard work and effort and time to like overcome certain things like that. And even then, like anxiety, like I used to think is a cure for it, but there's not. Like you can like, you can alleviate the, you can decrease the, the major impact, like the impact that it makes. But like if someone has anxiety, like a lot of times, like that's like kind of going to be, you know, that's a part of you. And instead of trying to fight against it into like, not acknowledge that it's not there, which makes the feedback even worse. Acknowledge the fact that, hey, it's here, but I'm also gonna 
make sure that this doesn't define me and try to, you know, rise above it. But like, hey, I acknowledge you, but you're in the back, you're in the back corner, but you're not, you're not in the, in the forefront of my life. And, and I have my struggles with that, but seeing like my experiences, uh, people I've known who have, who've had their bouts with that, like, it's something that, you know, can't, you can't, uh, get over in a day or may not ever be able to get over, but you can only build your strength up and keep moving and, and build your strength and stamina to like being a better you so that anxiety is not, you know, as, uh, backbreaking as, as it once would have been. So, um, I want, I guess, hear your thoughts on that, but like, um, what I, what I want to try to say is that, um, people who are going through, um, and, and, can, and it can't just be, and I'm not just talking, I guess I use anxiety a lot of, for this one, but it could be any mental disorder and, you know, like having the, you know, getting the, not being afraid to step up and, you know, get professional help, empowering your mind by reading books that can, uh, I guess on the subject or ways to, to help use I guess use your anxiety to work for you instead of against you. And, um, I guess just any of the mental disorders that we're talking about, like just not being, a, not to be too proud to get help and just, uh, to work on, uh, striving towards being a better you. So, um, so for those going through struggling, uh, with, uh, with mental disorders, just like, you know, not give up and that, you know, you know, there's people there who's willing to listen and willing to help. And, and to remember that even if you fall short, um, there's always a new day and you just get back on your horse and try again. I want to hear your thoughts on that. Like, I know, you know, people that dealt with stuff and yeah, so. So I've, I've referenced it over, over the years. I've referenced it a few times on this show, but I've <laughs> absolutely had my own struggles. Uh, I mm. think. My, my number one is probably depression, but I've definitely had anxiety as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I appreciate that for, <laughs> I, and I mean, honestly, you may notice from my tone on this show sometimes that my probably default is to look at things in a sort of cynical, depressing light, and that's kind of the way my brain's wired. And that's also your style though. Like I would I would be taken aback if you went the the complete 180 of that, you know? Well I'm never <laughs> I'm never gonna be like a Pollyanna type. That's never that's not my personality. You but like you like my Daria to like uh what's her what uh, what's the Jane? Was her what's yeah, her best friend? Yeah. yeah. Yeah I'm Jane, you're um, my Daria, yo. <laughs> but I mean that that's the part of me that my eyes are open and I'm paying attention. Uh-huh. But, wow, that was a dickish thing to say. That is implying that you're not. But no, you like no, you like no, like I, I get it. Like I think the people get it. It's like you're not shutting your eyes away from like you know the hard truths. You know, right? Yeah, instead of um, pretending things are okay when they're not. So yeah, <laughs> but you know, like for all of the maybe not good things that have happened in uh, you know society and. Recent decades, there's been a massive, massive amount of progress in awareness about mm-hmm. mental illness and what it is mm-hmm. and how to treat it and how to work on it and how mm-hmm. to manage it. Yeah. And management's the key thing. 
it's still stigmatized, but it's mm-hmm. significantly less than it used to be. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm very candid about it because that's my way of trying to help change that stigma. I will be the first to say I see a therapist and I honestly, I mean, we started the show in 2017 and I would say over the last two years have probably been the toughest for me on that front, maybe in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a person. I'm very lucky in that I am high functioning. I get up, I go to work, I mm-hmm. come home, I eat dinner, I go to bed. You mm-hmm. know, my brain is really, really mean to me sometimes, you know, on top of all of that. But mm-hmm. I'm lucky that it doesn't make me unable to like function as an adult for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, but absolutely. And I, I, I'm with you on what you said, you know, it's very difficult to catch thoughts while they're happening and challenge them. And that's mm-hmm. something I've w- been working on in therapy these last few mm-hmm. years, really. Um, and it is honestly, it's harder than hitting a major league baseball mm-hmm. for me. It is incredibly difficult. Yeah. Cause I don't know about uh, for you, but like sometimes when I, when I feel like anxious or like get a thought that I feel guilty about and everything, it's like, I can either like my chest will get tight or I'll feel like, like, or a common thing, like I feel a tightness in my throat. Yeah. Yeah. It, so like the physical response to like so, the mental. Well, here's one. I, yeah, I actually feel comfortable telling this story. Um, mm. so, and I think you may have heard this off mic, but for the listeners, um, so earlier this year, I want to say January, of this year, maybe mm-hmm. I can't remember when exactly, but it was early this year. It was in the spring. So I went to the vet and I like, you know, I took my cat to the vet, Atari, who's been featured on this show before um, yeah, for his regular <laughs> checkout. Um, and the, and you know, the vet came in and, you know, kind of had to look at him and kind of had to listen to his heart and everything. And then, and then, you know, after, after the exam was done and, you know, they gave me my cat back and put him in the carrier, the vet talked to me and he was like, so we noticed a little heart murmur with mm. him and, and he was like very quick to assure me it's, it's a very minor one. It's not a serious condition. It's just a thing we're going to keep an eye on. But he started explaining to me what a heart murmur is uh-uh. and, you know, the valves pumping blood uh-huh. into and out of the heart and, you know, and the muscles contracting and constricting and whatever. Mm-hmm. And he was like saying all these things to me. And I started feeling my own, I like could physically feel my own heart in my chest, like speeding up and the muscles contracting and releasing. Ooh. And, and I'm not kidding. Like, the like tunnel started closing in in my vision and I started getting lightheaded and my like vision started turning light. And, and I think the vet noticed something was wrong and he was like, are, are you okay? And, and I was like, yo, I need to, I need to sit down. And, Oh, and I like was that close to passing out. Um, mm. and, and I pretty much knew while it was happening it's a panic attack. My body is having a physical reaction to basically. And again, like logically I knew 
the guy wasn't coming out to tell me that, like, my cat was gonna die. It's, it's, right. It's a, and, and he's fine, by the way. Like, Atari is good. He's in good health. It's just, they're monitoring it. it you know, mm-hmm. later on in his life, they may need to treat it with medication, but like, it's not, not a big deal. It's not a death sentence. But it was just, even the possibility of that, like, you know, I've had a lot of changes in my life the past few years. We'll leave it at that because this isn't my diary. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, <laughs> basically that cat is like the only thing I have left from really like a chapter of my life that is now very much over. Mm-hmm. And even just the possibility of losing him was enough to, you know, not even the possibility, just like the thought of it was enough to trigger like a almost complete shutdown of my body. And it was terrifying, even though I logically, I was lucky enough that I know about this stuff and I knew as it was happening that it was a panic attack. And, you know, but even so, even with that knowledge, it's still like, like wrecked me. And it's terrifying. And I mean, imagine if you don't, know what that is, you probably think you're dying, you know, when, when like, you know, that, that thought cycle just gets so fast that it just like manifests in physical symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's the funny thing is, you know, I was more embarrassed than anything else because the vet, like the vet and everybody in the office was like freaking out and thinking they needed to like call an ambulance. And I was just like, no, 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 no. I just need like a cup of water. I need to sit down for a minute. And like, I was fine. And they were even like, yo, do you like, do you need help? Like, you know, do you need like a cab to take you home? And I'm like, I'm good. I, you know, <laughs> but cause you know, I at least knew what it was. I knew that there wasn't anything wrong with me and that I was fine to drive home. <laughs> but it was just like, Mm. And I still go to that same vet now, and every time I go in there, I'm like, I bet they're all kind of looking at each other like, oh, God, it's the friggin' fainting guy again. Uh, <laughs> but You ain't the first, nor will be the last. No, man. I'm not. Like, <laughs> you know, it just, it, you know, it's a thing, and just like any other, you know, medical condition or illness, you know, you just take it in stride and do what you can. And, you know, I, I, I hope that my vulnerability and candor maybe is able to help others. Yeah. Maybe be a little less hopefully ashamed and sort of, you know, feel better about coming forward and seeking help. Yeah, man. Um, Because it's, it's a rough one, man. You're, (laughs) it's funny, you know, it helped me a lot to sort of realize these are just thoughts. Yeah. They can't, like, a thought cannot, like, punch you in the nose, you know, mm. like a thought cannot bash but, your head against the wall. But, like, but it can though, if, if, if you like keep giving it life and giving it like the constant attention and it's like, Oh yeah, no, cool. it, it can, it can absolutely <laughs> it wreck can, you eventually. Oh, yeah. But mm-hmm. in the moment when you realize, Oh, okay. Like I understand what's going on here. It starts to lose some of this power. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, even so, I mean, your brain is incredibly powerful, and it can really, it can, can really, it can really mess with you. It if can you don't, build and it can destroy <laughs> if you if you don't work on it. So, anyways, that was a long detox, but uh, an important one. That was good ad libbing, buddy. Yeah, like um, I mean, I like the 
I like to talk about things that like I'm like either I have seen or slash like stuff I'm like currently going through, and like I think that's what like. But that's the meaning of the detoxes. This is not like trying to like get people to get uh, people to conform and like do what like we we say and stuff. It's just like us showing us being human to other humans. Like, hey, we have our struggles here. If you have your struggles too, then hey, we hear you. Don't give up. That's 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 pretty much the gist of detox, man. (laughs) To try and be like, hey, we we can understand your struggles. Hey, it's it's not impossible to overcome it. And you know what? Hey, so, hey. <laughs> to to highlight our joking about cynical ass Dan, um, <laughs> something else I told you off mic. I not too recently started keeping a gratitude list. Yeah, of of the big things. Everybody should have those. Like everybody. And you know, it's what like it's something that I, I that I like made fun of in the past. I was just like, that's stupid. Why would anybody need that? But, you know, it's like, mm. my brain is so pre-wired to look at all the things that are wrong. The whackness? Yeah. Like, the and movie I mean, The Wackness. Because yeah. I hate the idea that you should always focus on the positive, you know, in, in the way of, like, ignoring the negative. Oh, because the, yeah, because, like, that's... That's, that's, that's yeah. the kind of thing that causes people to not care that there are children in cages. You know, and that sort of thing. Yeah, but like, you, you should. Balance. You you must always keep your eyes open, but that doesn't mean that you. You. It's not like pulling up a video of a house burning down, and just watching it over and over again. You know, forcing yourself to see the awful things. It's right. like, you know, and it's helped me. It's it's you know, and there's not a whole lot of things on it. It's just like the big things. And just remembering that things like I have a cat. I have two cats. Mm-hmm. I love my two cats. Mm-hmm. My two cats make me very happy. And like just remembering that in the midst of like, you know, a terrible day where my brain wants to tell me everything in life sucks. No, not everything in life sucks. No. You know, and like it, it's it ain't a lip biscuit song. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I'm saying all of these things out loud that are so incredibly obvious, but sometimes in the moment, you're, again, your, your brain yeah. goes off somewhere and takes you with it. And mm-hmm. sometimes you kind of have to yank on the chain and be like, eh, bro, I'm the one that's driving here. Yes. When you talk about the, like, the positive list, like, you're like, yeah, like, when you say the world is, uh, it's not all roses and stuff, but like, it makes you think of the, uh, the meme. Or, or the gif of the uh, of the dog in the in the in the burning office. This is fine. Like, and I think what makes it fine, like that little small thing. He he still has his coffee. He does. So that's so that's the one positive thing. When he he picks up his mug, this is fine. It looks like he's looking at the coffee. Like he's happy to have that coffee, even though everything around him is burning. So he, he was able to take. So the way I see, it, he has that one positive thing. Out of that whole like smorgasbord of destruction. So <laughs> here's something that's completely wild. You're probably the only person I've ever met that has a positive interpretation of that comic. I just thought about it just now. Like 
Good on you, buddy. That's but exactly what the fuck we're talking It's also about. positive because like, every time I see I just laugh when I just when people talk about dumpster fires as a football uh, basketball Dude. teams and stuff. He's just like, hey, this is uh hey, this is uh the like for example, this is the uh this is Jameis Winston right now, like right now after like four interceptions. This is funny. <laughs> like, but yeah, Except he, his cup just has liquefied W's in it. <laughs> no. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna be drinking them. <laughs> That's a W. Who wants a nice cup? I'll put sugar in it for you. No, he's like, as Urinane Tria said, like, he, like, famous Jameis Bakery because he serves up them, turn them hot and fresh turnovers. It's true. Yeah, but turnovers are pretty delicious, though. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we should just have a podcast where we talk about food. I'm sure that'd be more popular anyway. Like, it's <laughs> <laughs> Oh! That's an announcement. Back in the day, we used to do these social media check-ins, and then I stopped using social media. Um, <laughs> but, uh, announcement, if you aren't aware, mm-hmm. um, there is a slight possibility that you might be listening to us on either Spotify or Google Play. Uh, yeah, because man. those are two platforms that our show is now on. Danvers D, Sports and Stuff on Spotify. Because I got bored one day and was like, huh, I wonder how hard it is to get on some other podcasting platforms. And I did. So, there you go, people. You're welcome. The We have now tripled our, our output. I think we're going to wrap now, but thank you all for listening. It's been, as always, an absolute blast. Yo, no doubt, man. Like, I know we've had, like, a lot of busy, like, our lives have been, like, extremely busy and stuff. Like, this month has been, like, this, like, the last month, like, oof, was just absolutely insane. I'm just, the dust is starting to clear out from all that. And it's just, like, being an adult and trying to have a social life is, like, it's hard. You have, like, like, I have the gym and I have music and I have just maybe having a social life. Yeah, it just becomes a balancing act. I have to basically pick like one of those things to do in a given week or just yeah. one third of each of those things. And so they all just kind of end up perpetually kind of not what they could be. Yeah. You know, and it's like, ah, but what yeah. can you do? It's crazy, man. You have to make money. You gotta make money. And then like, I don't realize money. Like Hulu has live sports. Hulu has okay. live sports. Where's my money bag? I just, hey, I said it, Hulu, where's my money bag? And green's my favorite color? Dude, come on, sign me up. <laughs> I'm wearing green right now. Dang. Hulu has live sports. Hulu has live sports. I'm just, just skin on skin, baby. Where's that paper? Dude, you got two adorable cats. You could pull that off. Yeah. Dude. I'm just holding two cats. Hulu has live sports. And then it's just a money gun. Also, uh, Casper Mattress. Loot Crate. Zip Recruiter. No, I actually use Zip Recruiter. What, what, is, what, what is like Linus's uh, thing? <laughs> Linus Tech Tips plug? This week's sponsor, Private Internet Access. <laughs> <laughs> SeatGeek. Yeah. I, I actually use one of them from your name, Tree. Yeah. You use the word tree, you get $20 off your first purchase. I actually I think did I used, that. Dude, dude, I think when I bought those NBA tickets earlier this year, I think I used a Seeking Pro. <laughs> For the Panthers and Titans game, I yeah. used that because I had uh, StubHub. I was like, huh, this is going to be more expensive. Stubhub. But then I went to uh, uh, Seeking. I was like, okay. 
I can get the twenty, get like about twenty dollars cheaper, or or be about the same price, but I can get better tickets. But yeah, on that note, this has been uh, to ease Dan with an A M. I wish I could just hug you all, but I'm not gone. Someday he will. I'm gonna give the mic a hug right now. It's not a hug. You just grabbed it with your hand. <laughs> That's what she said. Dang. Anyways, <laughs> good night, everybody. <laughs> One more time. Good night, everybody. Peace. Na 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 na